0: And now, Lord, speak to our hearts in thy, through thy word once again, we ask, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles with me tonight, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings <clears throat> chapter 2, and <clears throat> as, as we come to continue our series Entitled "The Steps of Elisha," we're continuing to continuing to look at his life and uh, and learn of him and learn uh, lessons uh, that God would have us learn for our own personal lives. Now, as we come to this point in his journey, um, <clears throat> we are going. We come now to. Uh, A little story, and so tonight, uh, it's only a few verses. It's a very tiny story that is tucked away in chapter 2 of 2 Kings, but it's one that captures the attention of every kid that has ever heard it. No doubt every adult as well, because it is unique. It's disturbing as well. And uh, and so this is going to maybe be a, a a shorter message tonight because of the uh, just a few verses, three verses we're going to look at verses twenty three to twenty five. Okay, so if you will <clears throat> read along with me, beginning at verse twenty three of Second Kings chapter two. Then he Elisha. Went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, so the key word there is up. He's going up to Bethel, which is higher. Young lads. Now, New American Standard, and we're going to discuss this and talk about it, but the translation in the New American Standard is young lads. Some of you may have little children, and, uh, and, and others have little little boys or, uh, or young children, okay? But I have young lads came out from the city and mocked him and said, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Hey, we'll stop there for a minute. Uh, how many? Uh, uh, how many of you have ever been made fun of? Yeah, I'm raising my hand. See that? Yeah, I remember. <clears throat> in school, <clears throat> I remember it, it was in like maybe ninth, ninth, tenth grade. Um, I had some some people there who uh, got to know first time, but uh, but see, I've always. Ha- God, for some reason, chose to give me a unique profile, as you can see. So I'm not sure if I would even fit on Mount Rushmore, but but uh, he gave, he gave me a Jewish nose, and uh, so the the style of nose that God gave me it certainly stands out, especially when you're a kid. And so I got a nickname that they called me, okay, so I've never told this to anybody I don't think here i I think I might have told it to the men's bible study, but are you are you ready? okay, now be serious, okay, My nickname was Chicken Hawk. Don't laugh, Chicken Hawk. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Now, as a kid, you, you're walking through the the hallways. I went to public school. Went walking through the hallways, and hey, Chicken Hawk! My head's down there, and everybody points there. That's Chicken Hawk over there. And you know, uh, later on, uh, I got to laugh at it, you know. But but there, there's, 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 you know, maybe there's something so that, that you were called names or um, by people. Maybe it's people in your family or. or in school or at work or something but but you got uh, you got attacked in some way and uh, and throughout life we as believers are always going to be um, be attacked in some form some fashion whether it be persecution or mocked for our faith how many times have you seen a Christian you know a public a public figure who is a believer just mock to no end in the media and they just they just uh you know and, and and all they do is sarcasm and and tear them down if 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 they show any conservatism or or stand on on the principles of god's word but we are to expect this it's going to happen uh and this happened now to Elisha. now these uh these, uh, he was going up to Bethel, and uh, <clears throat> outside the town there was a group of, you know, this is called Young Lads, playing. Now, um, this is the way some critics and skeptics have, have read this, okay? So let me read this to you, okay? In the way it was written by one skeptic, you know, who... Who, who couldn't believe that God would, would do such a thing of what we're going to see uh, take place because of, of their mocking of Eli- Elisha. And uh, we, know, we know what, ha- what happens next. Uh, let, let's just look at that first before I read this, okay? They're making fun of him. Verse 24, When he looked up behind him and saw them, what did he do he cursed them in the name of the lord then two female bears came out of the woods and tore up 42 lads of their number and he went up from there to mount carmel and from there he returned to samaria so this is that story that kind of just send chills down some people because uh, Elisha turns around, hears what they're saying. They continue on. They repeat it as they, they make fun of him and mock him. And so what does he do? He curses them in the name of the Lord. Now, this is not him taking the name of the Lord in vain. But, but uh, we're, we're, we'll discuss that in, in a moment. But here's what one critic wrote about this. Elisha made his way to Bethel. Outside town, a group of children playing. Elisha was happening to pass by. Innocently, a child took note of the fact that the prophet was bald and commented about this. The other children took up this theme and chanted or sang it, thinking that Elisha would see the fun in it all. The grumpy prophet did not see anything funny about this at all. Instead, he exploded in anger and pronounced a curse upon the children so that two bears came on them and were they were brutally maimed, End quote. That's someone who looks at this and goes, yeah, if, that, if that's the kind of God you serve, are you kidding me? You know, and... and uh, you know when when somebody uh, speaks of the suffering in this world, it, and it's hard when you watch a child suffer, right and, 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 and they go, "Why would God allow this child to die? or why are they th- are they allowed to suffer in this world?" And so therefore that is an excuse for people to say, "I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in the God of the Bible. Why is there all this evil and suffering and everything else? But I want us to to look at a few things here in this little account, okay, and then we believe it or not, there are some lessons for us to learn in this uh, account uh, that is given to us. <clears throat> uh, now, Jericho was about twenty five miles away from Bethel, so he left. Remember, he left Jericho. He went to Bethel. That was about twenty-five miles—a hot, a hot walk. Now, Jericho was uh, about thirteen hundred feet below sea level, but Bethel was about two thousand feet above sea level. So, just think of that for twenty-five miles. What the end, what kind of walk that had to be for him? He had to go up, up, up. And that's why they, these, these um, young ones, uh, when they mocked him, they said, go up, go up, because they saw him going up and uh, go, going to Bethel, and, and they mocked him. But here's something interesting about Bethel, okay? All we do is we see, see the name Bethel there, and some kids, where did they come from? They came out of the town, of Bethel, they came out. Notice it says they came out from the city and mocked him. <clears throat> There's a good possibility they knew who Elisha was. There's a good possibility uh, that they heard he was coming. Uh, there was a in Bethel. There was a small school of the prophets. Remember, we talked about the school of the prophets that uh, the prophet, uh, you know, young men would go to to become a prophet, and they would be trained and to see if they're uh, fit for the ministry of, of a prophet. But they had these schools of the prophet, and one was in, in Bethel. But the thing about Bethel is it's one of the two cities that King Jeroboam had de- designated as places of worship for the northern kingdom of Israel when Solomon's kingdom was divided, Okay. So King Jeroboam, uh, king of the north, uh, once it, it was divided, he feared that the two kingdoms would end up coming back together again. He didn't want that. And so, so that, that uh, his, the people of the north, the tribes of the north, wouldn't be tempted to go down to Jerusalem, to Judea, and, and, and go to Jerusalem to worship in the, in the temple. To keep them from doing that, he made a bold move and he established two places uh, places of counterfeit worship in Israel there in the northern part. One was in Dan at the northern edge of Israel and the other was in Bethel at the southern edge of Israel. Now, Bethel was actually close to Jerusalem, but he did he was he was doing whatever he could. To get, get the people to worship anywhere but the true and living God there in the temple. And so, one of these places he set up a worship center was Bethel. And he made golden calves. And he put one of the golden calves in each city. And this was provided, these golden calves were provided for Israel to worship in Dan and also in the town of Bethel. So by this time, Bethel had become an extremely pagan place. You might even say something like, uh, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah type. It was just evil. There was so much idolatry. And, And so we understand the culture of the town. To understand this, we have to understand the culture of the town, what and and what the parents must have been like of these these young people, okay, and that these young people were being raised in idolatry, okay. So so th- this is important to understand. So they came out and they were probably told about Elisha and he's coming. They knew he was a prophet, and now that notice they they said to him. They mock his bald head, so we know he doesn't have much hair. But he says, go, they said, go up, you bald head, go up. Now, that, there's an interesting um, idea that, that some scholars t- tend to look at this as a possibility. When they said go up, uh, yes, it, it very well could have meant that, you know, the incline that we talked about. Yeah, the sea level, he's, he's going up the, this, uh, you know, the incline up to Bethel. And so they're just saying, keep on the road, keep on going down your road, you bald head. But here's an interesting thought, that they may be mocking him because they heard of the way Elisha was taken. Elisha was taken what? Up by a whirlwind. And the word spread. And so everybody began to, it, it, it began. Did you hear about Elijah? Elijah? Elijah, actually. Elijah, when he was taken up in a whirlwind. So now they see the replacement. And so they, they, they kind of said, uh, maybe this may be their thought, saying, oh, yeah, wh- why don't you go? Elijah died somehow and, and, and went up. Why don't you do the same thing? Just disappear. So I mean that's one thought but th- they make extreme fun of him Now the uh the term here we want to focus here at this moment on the term uh the phrase used young lads that is in my in my translation or little children okay now the, the words that are used there are quite flexible in the Hebrew language. The Hebrew words there uh, are the first one used is katan, Q-A-T-A-N. And that refers to small quantity, okay? It has the idea of small quantity. So when it's using the word small, so it's translated little or the word young, and then the other word used for it, the other Hebrew word is na'er, N-A-A-R. And that Hebrew word used here can mean boy, girl, servant, or young man. Young man. And so many scholars have come to understand these words and they when you interpret scripture with scripture what you do is you you go elsewhere in scripture and you you see where else are these terms used and and a number of bible scholars came to the conclusion because of the way these words are used elsewhere that these aren't like when you first read it you think of oh these little children ran out of bethel you bald head you know these little kids, and uh, came out and, and made fun of them. But that is not the case if we look at at uh, how this uh, w- this word or these two terms were used, and they were used together. Katan, nayar, was they were used one after the other uh, to uh, which were was interpreted here, uh, young lads. But I want you to turn to 1 Kings 11. So let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 14. <clears throat> 1 Kings 11. And we'll pick it up at verse 14, okay? Then the Lord raised up an adversary to Solomon... Hey, dad. Yeah, kids may like to, you know, use that. Hey, dad, how are you doing? But hey, dad, the Edomite, he was of the royal line in Edom. For it came about when David was in Edom and Joab, the commander of the army, had gone up to bury the slain and had struck down every male in Edom, 16 For Joab and all Israel stayed there six months until he had cut off every male in Edom. Now here it is in verse 17. That Hadad fled to Egypt, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, while Hadad was, now it's translated here, was a young boy. But it's also, it's also, but this is, this, this is where the same exact Hebrew words are used that is, is used in the Elisha account. And so, Hadad, hey if he's fleeing to Egypt, most likely was a young man, late, late teens, maybe 19, 20 years old. This is one of the places. That it is used, and then there are there are other places we won't take time to turn to, but the same these same two words were used of Joseph in the story of Joseph when he was seventeen years old, and then if you go on, go back and you look at the life of Isaac. Isaac was. 25 to 28 years old when this term was used to describe him he was about that age uh, uh, you know 25 to 28 in fact you will see these same words used of the spies that went into canaan the spies that were sent in by joshua that they were young men the same exact words so, I think it's important to grasp this, to get a hold of this, uh, so that because you know, it's disturbing if we think that these are maybe eight, nine year olds that are out there like this. But here's something else that would make us think that these, 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 this is basically a gang, like a street gang the way the way let's go back now if you go back with me to second kings chapter 2 <clears throat> okay and verse 24 and he, he looked and he, he saw them he cursed them in the name of the lord then what happened then two female bears came out of the woods and tore up now what's the number there How many lads? 42. Do you see that? So, but it says 42 lads of their number, which means that there may have been more than 42. We are talking a large gang of over 42 guys. Now, can you imagine... 42 to 10-year-olds running out the city and all gathering together like a gang and making fun of this prophet that's coming up it doesn't make sense the number itself would kind of tell us that these had to be younger uh, older young men that uh and so understanding that because because we see that this is a horrible account but God was dealing with we believe Young men, okay. So, hopefully, this uh, uh, this would you know uh, bring understanding to this passage as we read it the way it is it is laid out. Now, notice it says here uh, at the end that God sent out two male uh, female bears. They came out of the woods. And it says they tore up 42 lads of the group. Tore up. Now that word tore up is the Hebrew word baka, B-A-Q-A. And that word, that so this, we translate it tore up, that word in the, in the Hebrew, it basically means to break open. And the same word was used of the dividing of the Red Sea. It was also used for breaking, say, breaking bottles or splitting wood. That's how, how it was used, like open, opening something up. And what do bears have? They have the claws. And what did they do? They mauled these young men and uh, so no doubt cut them open. But notice it doesn't say anything about them being killed. Now, some assume that some of them probably were, but it doesn't say that in the text. It says they were tore up. So they might not have, have died, but they have, may have been given a scare by the Lord. But the, but what I, we, we want to understand is uh, God, uh, how God has dealt with His people on different occasions, and look what He says. Turn to Leviticus twenty six with me, Leviticus chapter twenty six, verse twenty one. Twenty six twenty one. Look what God says to the children of Israel through, through, it, through the law. Leviticus 26, verse 21. If then you act with hostility against me and are unwilling to obey me, I will increase the plague on you seven times according to your sins. God gets serious with the sins of Israel. Verse 22. And I will let loose among you the beasts of the field, which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your cattle and reduce your number, so that your roads lie deserted. Isn't that am- amazing that this is here? That God is saying that if you are hostile towards me, and how would what is one of the ways that they could be hostile to God being hostile to his prophets and that's exactly what was happening being hostile to the prophet is being hostile to God and so he says i'm going to let loose the beast of the field and they are going to come and uh take away your children destroy your cattle and reduce your number so the right there in, uh, in Leviticus, in the law, God talks about the way he would use the beasts of the field to bring judgment. Now turn to Second Chronicles 36. Second Chronicles 36, 15. 2 Chronicles 36, 15, 16. And the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers, the prophets, because he had, what, compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. See, God ha- God's a God of compassion. We've got to remember that. When you read the, we read this story, God is still a God of compassion. Remember the story of Jonah, right? When Jonah lacked compassion, he did not want God to spare Nineveh. But God told Jonah, these people don't know the right hand from the left hand. God had compassion. And so it says here, he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they continued, continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until what? until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people and there was no remedy. You see, God is patient, God is compassionate, but his people pushed him to the limits. And God finally said, okay, judgment is coming. Because they continually mocked and killed the prophets of God. And so that's exactly what, what happened here. But I want us to take these principles home with us. And one is that, that Elisha did not kill or harm these kids. What did he do? He put it in God's hands. He laid a curse out for them in the name of the Lord. In other words, he said, God, you take care of them. You take care of my enemies here. And God chose the method and how to do it. And how important it is that we understand, first of all, that that God is the one who, who wants to carry out judgment in our lives and to defend us. Turn to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. I want you to see this account of David. 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 7. Here is the story of David in the cave, hiding in the cave of Abdullah. And he's with his, his men. And Saul came down with 3,000 of his chosen men. And remember the, the story, was Saul ends up, needing to go into the cave to relieve himself so let's read verse one first samuel 24 now it came about when saul returned from pursuing the the philistines he was told saying behold david is in the wilderness of engedi then saul took three thousand chosen men from all israel and went to seek david and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats and he came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. What a coincidence. (laughs) Yeah, no coincidence, but God. And the men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. So what did David do? Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. Verse 5, and it came about afterward that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, because they, were, they, they basically were telling David, go kill him. You have an opportunity. You kill Saul Your problems are solved. He's your enemy. He's trying to kill you, David. Verse 6. So he said to his men, Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord. What does he call him? The Lord's anointed. He calls Saul the Lord's anointed. To stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. He says it twice. And David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul rose, left the cave, and went on his way. What do we see in David here? We see uh, David as, as viewing Saul, his enemy, as somebody that God put in place. And no matter what Saul did to him, He viewed him as someone that God had put in place and chosen to be be king, the Lord's anointed. And therefore, with that in mind and that view, his conscience bothered him. There is no way David could take vengeance upon himself and upon upon Saul and carry out uh, the judgment on Saul. What did he do? He said, God, he's yours. Saul is yours and he told his men this is the Lord's anointed let God deal with him and then of course we we don't have time to turn to it because we got to close now but Romans chapter 13 verses 17 to 21 what what does Paul talk about there he says the Lord said vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord right and and he's explaining to the church, let God bring judgment and be your defender. And dear Christian, there may be someone in your life that really has bothered you, upset you, attacked you. Maybe there's, there, there, there's been things said against you, you know, that, that, um, th- that you said, boy, I'd like to get even. Or, or how can I fight back? and there's there's that persecution in your life or whatever it is God would have us be like David and say lord you're in control of this situation and father i am not going to i help me not to to try and get revenge lord help me not to be the avenger but you are the avenger and lord i'm going to l- leave this person in your hands and that's what elisha did these 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 young men he turned them over to god said god you do what you want with him and god chose to discipline him in this way leave the judgment to him and you know what will happen you will have peace in your spirit and in your mind and we we will be able to sleep at night because we've said okay lord i am not taking the anger out on that person. I am not going to try <clears throat> and, and get them back or make them pay. Lord, they're yours. If we do that, see what happens. See what peace and joy you will have in your heart as we turn them over to the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> as we read a, an account like this, Lord, we are stunned sometimes at the way You've chosen to discipline and to bring judgment. But Father, we know that you do not take lightly those that mock you and those that mock your servants. Father, we know that your Son was willing to be mocked on that cross and be scorned at for our sins. And yet he he was silent, and he could have called 10,000 angels. Father, I pray that we might have the same mind of Christ. For we will leave the judgment to you. And let you do the work. And Lord, that we might lay down our sword. And that, Father, we might be able to say... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. May we leave here, Lord, with this truth impressed upon our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.